Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. If you listen to the show on a regular basis, it might not surprise you that I am a fan of magic. I have even attempted to learn magic in the past, and let me just get this out of the way, I am terrible at magic. Despite lots of practice, I haven't even mastered basic card tricks over the years. I understand them in theory, I can do them by myself, but you put me in front of an audience of one person, and about 50% of the time I will mess up. Now as a kid, I had a lot of exposure to many fine magicians, enjoyed watching them all, but it was really one magician who really inspired me to try to learn more magic, who got me running to the library to try to read books on how magic tricks are done, and that would be the magician-comedian Harry Anderson. What I liked about Harry was the magic was sort of secondary to making people laugh. He would do tricks and then tell these long stories, and people would be cracking up the entire time. And there was no fake trappings of mysticism. Harry's persona was that of sort of an honest con man who was telling you you were being conned, and yet still was able to create a compelling performance. I remember watching a comedy special where he put a needle through his arm, and the entire thing made me tremendously squeamish. And yet Harry continued to assure me in the performance that this was a trick. But it was so realistic, so well done. I felt like I was watching a horror film. When you look at your own interests and try to trace them back to their origins, it's fascinating where they lead to. From an early age, I was a fan of Harry Anderson. And besides entertaining me, he set me off on a tangent. One that I am terrible at, but he instilled in me a love for magic, especially magic with comedy involved. Another example of this genre would be Penn and Teller. Great storytelling combined with great stagecraft, making a compelling product. Now, I was not planning to release an episode about Night Court, but Harry Anderson passed away recently, and that got me thinking a lot about him. And I gave a listen to a show I had recorded earlier about Night Court that I never released, and I thought now might be a good time to reattempt recording it. So on today's show, I'm going to talk to you about Night Court. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about the plot of the show. We'll talk about its reception. And we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us. So without further ado, let's start the show. Night Court was a sitcom that aired on NBC from January 
1984 to May of 1992. The show revolved around a wacky Manhattan municipal court presided over by Judge Harry T. Stone, played by Harry Anderson. The show was created by Reinhold Weege. I love the name Reinhold Weege. Weege passed away in 2012. He was a producer, writer, director, wrote for many sitcoms, including MASH, Barney Miller, and spin-off Fish. He would produce Night Court for six seasons before he left the series, and he would be nominated for three Emmy Awards for Night Court, which would join his one that he was nominated for for Barney Miller. As I mentioned, Night Court started in January of 1984. The show was originally going to have a regular season start, but NBC was concerned about Harry Anderson, who, despite being a very talented stage performer, did not have a lot of acting experience, and they decided to delay the show, thinking it wasn't regular season material. That September, NBC wound up canceling all of the shows that they had premiered, and then picked up Night Court as a mid-season replacement, and then it would roll on for nine seasons after that. If you've never watched Night Court, I imagine many of you have, it is filmed in front of a live audience, partially. A common element of Night Court were these montage sequences, usually fast-paced pieces about the cases that are being judged by Harry, and those were shot before the tapings. The plot of Night Court is very simple. Judge Harry T. Stone, who seems rather unqualified to be a judge, and we find out why in the show. It turns out that on a Sunday, they started calling people on a list to appoint them as judges, and it being Sunday, nobody was home except for Harry, who was at the very bottom of the list. So he became a judge because he happened to pick up the phone on that day. The cast of Night Court itself was filled with several people who would rotate over the years, but basically you would have Harry, prosecutor, public defender, bailiffs, and a court clerk, and then a lot of crazy people who would be brought in on a regular basis. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, Jack, what are you eating? Yogurt. Well, I'll bet you a yogurt. I can guess which kind. Okay. Definitely damaged. Yeah, but this is smoother. The fruit's mixed in. That's Dannon Extra Smooth, the one they used to call Yes. Yeah. I think Extra Smooth is a better name, don't you? And Jack, you owe me a yogurt. The first name in yogurt, the last word in smoothness. Dannon Extra Smooth. And now, back to the show. Now a little bit about the cast of the show. Harry Anderson played Judge Harold T. Stone. Harry Stone is a lot like Harry Anderson. He's kind of into old school things. He prefers old movies and crooners like Mel Torme. Harry Laverne Anderson, born in 1952, passed away in 2018. Led a very interesting life, focusing on comedy, magic, and performing. Before being on Night Court, he would appear on The Tonight Show many times with Johnny Carson and Saturday Night Live. He would also have these great bits on Cheers playing a con man, Harry the Hat, pretty much himself. Anderson would write a great book called Games You Can't Lose, A Guide for Suckers, A Collection of Gags, Cons, Tricks, and Scams. Came out in the late 80s. You could still find it today, although I imagine it might be a little bit more popular now that Harry's been in the news lately. It's funny is that when Reinhold Weege created the show, they didn't have Harry Anderson in mind, or so they say, and yet 
the judge was written as a guy named Harry, who loved magic and loved Mel Torme, things that really intersect with the real Harry Anderson. So maybe just coincidence, maybe somewhere in his mind, Reinhold Weege had Harry Anderson in mind. Although Harry Anderson was not the first choice, they were actually talking to Robert Klein about playing the role of Harry Anderson. But during the salary negotiations, things went wrong and he backed out. The show has a pretty big cast, so I'll just try to stick to the highlights after Harry. While Marky Post would be the main public defender, Christine Sullivan, for seasons three through nine, there were actually three public defenders before Christine. In the pilot, you had Gail Strickland as Sheila Gardner. In season one, Paula Kelly played Liz Williams, did a good job. She received an Emmy nomination for playing that role. And then in season two, Ellen Foley played Billy Young. And this is the first time we get to see the public defender and Harry having a potential love interest. Eventually, the first choice for the role of public defender, Marky Post, would take on the role of Christine Sullivan in season three and appearing all the way to the end. I said she was the first choice, but she was in the TV show The Fall Guy at the time and couldn't get out of that to do Night Court. But they kept her in mind, and eventually, when the opportunity arose, they brought her in to play the role. Post has had quite a career, lots of television and movie credits, and she is still working today. The prosecutor, Dan Fielding, or more specifically, Reinhold Daniel Fielding Elmore, was played by John Larroquette. Dan Fielding is an interesting character. He starts off in the very early parts of the first season as a sort of conservative, maybe even a little uptight character. But that quickly changes, and for the remainder of the show, he becomes self-obsessed and lecherous. People loved the Dan Fielding character, and the Emmy Awards loved John Larroquette. And eventually, after winning Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series for four years in a row, he took himself out of contention. And when the show was ending, they offered John Larroquette a spinoff on the Dan Fielding character. But he was ready to move on from the character at that point. Larroquette's career post-Night Court has been mixed, although he appears in a bunch of television shows and films and continues to work today. Now only three characters would appear throughout the entire run of the show. Dan Fielding, Harry Stone, and this character, Bull, played by Richard Mall. Aristotle Nostradamus Bull Shannon was one of the bailiffs on the show, and he was a large presence. When the show was written, he was written as a brilliant but towering character, but as Richard Mall took control of the character and they started to write for him, Bull would become a giant teddy bear. Richard Mall, who was not bald in real life, had shaved his head to appear in a low-budget sci-fi film before Night Court, and they liked the look so much that they made him keep it throughout the series. I remember knowing Bull from Night Court, and then he appears in the pilot for the Highlander television series, a show that I watched religiously. And there's a great fight scene between him and the main character. And what's funny is it's very obviously sped up in almost a comical way, as if they did this fighting really, really slow and then hit fast forward so that it looked realistic. And I remember cracking up at the time because I was excited for Bull to be on the show and thought, oh, he's such a great villain. I couldn't help but laugh at this sort of poor display of swordsmanship. Sticks with me to this day. Maul would continue to work. Has a great voice, so he does a lot of voiceover work. Now, there were three other bailiffs on the show. Selma Diamond, 
as Selma Hacker and Florence Halep as Florence Kleiner. They would be on the show for the first three seasons. Diamond would be on the first two and Kleiner for season three. They were both older people and unfortunately they passed away during the production of the show. And so when Diamond passed away, they decided to go with another older woman. And then when Kleiner passed away, they thought, okay, it's time to go with a younger character. And they hired Marsha Warfield to play Roz Russell. And she would stay on the show for the remainder of the series. There were two court clerks on the show. In season one, Karen Austin played Lana Wagner. And Lana looked like she was going to be the love interest of Harry. But for some reason, they decided to move away from her. Now, fun thing about Austin is that she works with the great John Larroquette in the 1985 comedy Summer Rental with John Candy. When she left, she was replaced by Charles Robinson, who played Mac Robinson from seasons two through nine. Robinson had plenty of TV credits, also did a little bit of film work. I looked online to see what he's been up to lately. There's a couple of commercials that he's been doing. Over the years, there'd be a lot of recurring characters, almost too many to name. John Astin, who played Gomez Adams on The Adams Family, would play Harry Anderson's stepfather, who turned out to be his biological father, Buddy Ryan, and he would do that role from seasons three through nine. Mel Torme would appear on the show. Mel Torme would actually tell a story that he very much recognized that it was because of Harry's interest in him on Night Court that younger people started to come to his shows. So Night Court helped to reinvigorate Mel Torme's career, or at least broaden it. Brent Spiner, who played Data on Star Trek The Next Generation, had a recurring role in the show. Yakov Shmirnov, the comedian. Gilbert Gottfried would start appearing in season nine. And Denise Kumagay played Quan Lee Robinson, who was Mac's wife, a refugee from Vietnam. Mac had been serving in Vietnam as a soldier during the war. There would be many other characters, but just watch the show. You'll be surprised at how many recurring characters there are but also just how many guest appearances are made by people you might recognize. After these messages, we'll be right back. You know, being something of a magician, I like to play little tricks. That's why my friends always figure I'm pulling a fast one, even when I'm not. Like when I make some Maxwell House instant decaffeinated after dinner, my friends will say, that's decaffeinated, instant decaffeinated. They're amazed at how good it tastes. They think I'm pulling their leg. Heck no. I'm picking their pockets. Has anybody seen it? My wallet. Have you seen my wallet? Harry? <laughs> and now, back to the show. Night Court was part of what was called Must See Thursday, Must See TV was a big thing in the 80s and well into the 90s. It was a great boon for NBC. And Must See Thursday revolved around four sitcoms. And the meat of Must See Thursday was The Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, and Night Court. It was an unstoppable juggernaut of hilarity. And if you were not at home on Thursday watching it, you probably had a VCR and were recording it. Or you were living in some cave like a monster. The show would crack the top 10 in ratings for two seasons, its fourth and fifth season, where it would crest at number seven, but it had a respectable run 
for most of the seasons it ran, appearing in the top 30 for seven of those seasons, attracting enough viewers that would make it a mega hit nowadays, but these were different times. The show would wrap up after nine seasons, and although they were offered money to appear in a tenth season, they declined. And we'll talk a little bit about the final episode and how the show ended in a little bit. But first, let's listen to this. That is the theme song to Night Court. It is jazzy and bass heavy and a lot of fun. It was composed by Jack Elliott and featured Ernie Watts, the blues saxophonist. Jack Elliott passed away in 2001. He was a composer, conductor. He worked as a musical director for Andy Williams when he was on television and helped to compose the theme songs to Barney Miller and Charlie's Angels. The latter he did with Alan Ferguson. He would also score numerous movies, including The Jerk and Oh God. And for fans of science fiction, he helped produce the Blade Runner soundtrack. Ernie Watts, the jazz saxophonist, continues to work. He's worked with luminaries like the Rolling Stones and Frank Zappa. One of the things I like about Night Court and its credit sequence is that it was consistent throughout the run of the show. So when you turn on Night Court, the exact same opening credits plays every time with the same music and the same series of images. It's something I find very reassuring. Night Court was a hilarious sitcom. It had several really good seasons, but it should have ended in season eight. And that was the intent of the people making the show. They tried to wrap it up with Harry and Christine finally coming together and really giving us an idea of where they would be going after the show. And then out of nowhere, NBC decided they wanted a ninth season. And then in the ninth season, they proceeded to undo everything they had done to wrap the show up in season eight instead of extending it out. Then during season nine, they canceled the show. And you never got a final episode where everything was wrapped up or at least brought back to how it should have ended at the end of season eight. Instead, the final episode is this cobbled together mess. NBC and The studio producing the show, Warner Brothers, thought that they could get another season out of the show, potentially, and it looks like NBC didn't really want to pay the money, so the show was going to go into first-run syndication for season 10, and I think everybody just felt like they should end this. What's sad about that is that it ended the show on the low note that I was talking about. It was so bad that on the final day of taping, they were given a memo telling them to empty out their dressing rooms by Monday, and Richard Mall says... They were surrounded by security guards who basically told them, get off the lot. So after nine seasons of creating a great product that everybody loved, the show was unceremoniously canceled. And we didn't get a satisfying ending to Night Court. If you are a fan of the TV show 30 Rock, they actually dealt with this on the show, having a reunion of the members of Night Court to create a compelling finale where Harry and Christine finally wind up together which is really what everybody wanted. I remember watching that and thinking, why isn't John Larroquette on this? And according to Larroquette, they thought he would just say no. And he says that it would have been difficult for him to do it. But I think he would have tried to appear on the show. And I think if they had, it would have been a better episode. But it was still nice to see these characters come together. And it was really cool to see them rebuild the set of Night Court again. 
and to see these characters back in their element. For nine outrageous years, Night Court has made us laugh like never before. <laughs> but Wednesday night, it all comes to an end. Court's adjourned. It's a special hour of smiles, hugs, and farewells. Fire. Some will stay, and some will go forever. They're aliens. The surprising final Night Court, NBC Wednesday. If you're into Night Court, you can often find it on syndication, streaming services, and of course on DVD. If you're a super Night Court fan, and I know there are a couple of you out there, you can actually get a really interesting piece of Night Court merchandise that you might not be aware of. During the show, they introduced a puppet of the character Bull, and the Bull puppet was actually sold, and they appear on eBay, and you can find them in vintage stores occasionally. So if you're a puppet fan and want your own Bull puppet, want a very unique bit of Night Court memorabilia, why not do a quick search? Pick up your own little bull character and you can reenact some of your favorite scenes from Night Court, as long as they involve bull. Night Court is one of those shows that I feel often gets overshadowed by shows that were a bit more popular at the time. Shows that were on on the same night, even as Night Court. Shows like Family Ties and The Cosby Show and Cheers, sitcoms that are just legendary nowadays. Night Court was just as good as those shows, but it was a different product. It was a bit more jokey. And for me, the broader comedy was what brought me back week after week. If you haven't watched Night Court, why not just do a quick search online? I think you'll find that the entire cast is extremely charismatic. You will instantly get hooked. At the very least, watch some of Harry's early magic videos. You'll see some of his performances, including the needle through the arm trick and his giant three-card Monte card trick. Both are just amazing. While we have lots of different entertainment options, sometimes the best entertainment options have been around for a very long time. And I hope that maybe some of these details and facts that you've learned today will help persuade you to add Night Court to your lineup of entertainment. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. As I mentioned earlier, this was not a show I planned on releasing this season. I had other shows planned, and I am already hard at work on my next season, so I'll probably just push those to the next season, or maybe I'll release an episode or two between seasons. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Because when you see that, you know that it couldn't be happening. But when you see the needle through the arm, you know that it could be happening. It ain't, but it could. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.